Welcome everyone to another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. It was election day in Ontario yesterday, so hopefully all of our listeners in the province got out and cast your vote, regardless of who you voted for. But today on the pod, we are going to be talking all things NFL football and breaking down the full over-under win totals for every NFL team ahead of the 2022 season. Going to be going division by division, giving you my picks for what side of the spectrum I think teams will be landing on. I'll be making all 32 selections. But that doesn't mean that I'll be advising you to go out there and make all 32 picks. Some of them are exceptionally dicey. There's a reason Vegas makes money and they keep building new casinos every year. They're good at what they do. There's some value on some of these picks here, but right now, if you're going to have a futures bet ahead of training camps, this is usually the time to do it because you never know what's going to happen with injuries. Lines are going to shift. New money's going to come in and move some of those win totals. The Eagles have already jumped massively from pre-draft to post-draft as a result of the A.J. Brown trade and some of the picks that they made. So the earlier you can get in on some of these things can often work to your advantage, barring some catastrophic injury. I mean, no one could have predicted that Tom Brady was going to go down for the entire season because of a knee injury when he was back when he was with the Patriots. You know, someone could get hit by a bus tomorrow. You never know. But the closer you get to the regular season, the more locked in and fine-tuned those Vegas odds are going to be. So take whatever juice you can now. Hope for the best. Hope everyone stays healthy. See that the markets are hopefully a little bit slower to adjust as some of those positional battles at camp aren't fully set. And you could see some movement happening there as well. We were supposed to have a guest host on this evening. However, due to scheduling conflicts, something came up last minute. They had to bail. So I am going solo because we did have to skip an episode last time around. Want to get some content out to all of our listeners, but we'll be back on it with some great guests lined up for next week for some interviews. So if you've made it this far and you're hoping not to listen to my voice drowning on endlessly, don't know what to tell you. You can probably turn the episode off, but here we go. We are going to break through every single team division by division simplest way to do it we're going to start with the afc east here and the buffalo bills obviously a super bowl contender this season vegas has them currently pegged at 11 and a half wins that's up slightly from last year last year they were predicted to make 11 wins so they're getting a little bit more juice this time around now buffalo went out and won 11 games last year they probably could have won quite a few more as well this season you would think you know, definite lock to go out there and get at least 12 based on the additions that they've made to that roster. Really didn't lose any massive pieces on either side of the football. Obviously, some depth pieces moved on as well. But you go and add a Von Miller. So you add a little bit more of a pass rush to an already solid defensive unit out there. The knee-jerk reaction is absolutely take hammer the over they're they're an easy lock for 12 13 14 maybe even wins if the stars align for him this season they're coming in about middle of the pack actually 14th overall in terms of strength of schedule opponent win percentage going into 2022 was 512 so just above 500 not bad for a division winning team last year typically you go and you win the division and you end up getting a murderer's row lined up against you so to come in 14th overall kind of middle of the pack not too bad at all the only thing you got to keep in mind is yeah the bills on paper probably get a little bit better than their 2021 squad but every other team in the afc east arguably got better this offseason as well too patriots are a little bit of a question mark a lot of their progress is going to rely on does mac jones take that next step this season or does he suffer a sophomore slump but we'll get to him in a minute the afc east as a whole is much improved But that being said, if all you're asking is for this version to win one more game than the 2021 version, and we've already said that they're slightly better on paper, you got to go with the over here. Is this something I'm running to the sports book to hammer? Probably not. Probably falls somewhere in the middle of the spectrum for me. It's definitely not a long shot. I wouldn't shy away from it. So if you're part of Bill's Mafia out there, I'd be taking the over on this one. The Miami Dolphins currently projected over under is eight and a half wins this season. Down actually a little bit from last year. Last year, they were predicted to win nine games. A lot of change happening with the Dolphins. This is a team that, again, when you go out there and you take some of the home run swings that they made going out and signing the big name players that they did, making the splashy trades to go out and get a Tyreek Hill revamping their entire run game as well too, essentially creating a track team out there. I don't know how many of the top 
two three percent at their position speed players they've got on their roster this year but if ever the nfl went to the olympics and you had to put together a four by 100 relay team i'd be taking the dolphins roster all day every day in that competition again you look at their strength of schedule four eight one so they're coming on the easier side of things they've actually got the easiest schedule based on strength of schedule from last year of any of the afc east teams this season and really if you look at it on paper they've got Quite a few games that if this is a team that truly thinks it's going to be a playoff contender, which a lot of people around Dolphins camp right now are projecting that mindset out there. They've got a lot of games that they could be winning there. They're kind of already flirting with seven, eight wins that on paper, again, lock could go wrong. You're expecting Tua to continue to progress here. If he doesn't do that and we start seeing, okay, we've got to start trotting out backup quarterbacks or we do a midseason addition of a veteran who's been kind of on the sidelines. Things could get sideways in a hurry, but if you're already penciling in seven, eight wins, and then some of those coin flips turn into victories as well, now you've all of a sudden got the over here. So, I mean, can they get to nine wins? I think so. I I would be personally taking the over here. Can they get to 10 or 11? I I think that's maybe asking a little bit much of them there. 10, maybe 11. Uh, They need a lot of things to line up well for them, and they need to hit on every single one of those off-season acquisitions, blending in with a new coaching staff and hoping that even with Flores moving on, that that defense continues playing at a very high level. I think they can get to nine. I would take the over here. I wouldn't be betting my mortgage on it, though. So buyer beware with this one, but I, I like the over. The Patriots are coming in at eight and a half wins down one and a half from last season. Last season, they were projected to have 10 wins this season. They're down to eight and a half said it a moment ago. The whole AFC East is improved, but that's largely due to what Buffalo, New York and Miami went out and did the Patriots kind of treaded water and are hoping that some of the reach picks that they made at the nfl draft and there were quite a few pundits out there who were shaking their head when they went out and made some of their top draft picks they're really hoping that they can blend in seamlessly they've got some question marks on the defensive side of the ball specifically at cornerback and at linebacker Outside of Judon, I don't really know who is pressuring the quarterback on defense there. So you're hoping that he repeats his career year from last year. And you're also kind of hoping that, again, one of these Bill Belichick, we don't break the bank to make this flashy defensive signing, but just these steady Patriot way mold players come in here and can produce. I mean, it's worked pretty well for them for the past two decades. But again, they've got someone named Mac Jones in there as opposed to Tom Brady under center. Mac Jones, it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be the sophomore slump or he makes that huge second year leap. Very rarely do you see a quarterback go out there, especially one who performed as well as he did in 2021, go out there and just Xerox their performance, right? And it's not just going to be a carbon copy of what he did last year. If he does that, I don't think it is enough based on how well this entire division has improved this year to get to nine. I think it's really going to be a struggle for them to get to nine wins this year. And a lot of people say, doubt Belichick at your own peril. Well, okay, it's not just Belichick I'm doubting here. It's the roster that they've assembled. The fact that, rewind a year ago, they went out there and they opened the vault. And outside of Judon, you know, maybe kind of whiffed on a few of those splashy signings that they had made. They just lost their offensive coordinator. Now you've got Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who are mostly... Defense and special teams are now taking on lead roles in some new areas with that team. How well is that going to go this year? There's just too many question marks around this. I don't think the Patriots have a brutal year. I don't think they're the doormat of the division, but I think they are going to have a uphill battle to get to nine. So I probably do a stay away from this one if I'm wagering my own money, just because I never like betting against Bill Belichick. But if you put a gun to my head, I'm probably actually taking the under. I think they finish with seven or eight wins this season. The New York Jets, last but not least in the AFC East here, over under getting set at five and a half this year. Last season, they were projected for four. So they're actually getting a little bit of love here in Vegas. And why not? They go out and had a phenomenal draft. They added some really nice pieces on both sides of the ball. Zach Wilson has all the tools in the world he could possibly need to succeed. But 
for those who've been listening to the show for a long time now, you know I am not the greatest Zach Wilson believer. But really, the difference between them taking a huge jump and going, whatever, nine and eight and flirting with the playoff spot or stumbling to a six and 11, five and 12 record, all of that is going to come down to Wilson. Can he be the guy that the Jets thought he was when they took him as high as they did in the NFL draft? Again, a lot of arm talent, but does he make the greatest decisions all the time? No. Does he go through his progressions all that great? No. Is he that accurate? No. Can he throw the ball a mile? Yeah, but we saw a full spectrum of Wilson last year from glimpses of brilliance to this guy's going to be out of the league in the next year and a half if he doesn't change this. So where he falls on that spectrum this year is going to greatly affect that win total. Do I think that they flirt with a playoff spot this year? I think that's another tall task. Do I think they can get to six wins? Do I think six and 11 is out of the cards? No, I'm going to say they get at least six wins this year. I'm going to take the over for the New York Jets here to wrap up our AFC East preview, which brings us to the AFC North over under for the Baltimore Ravens is set at nine and a half last season. They were pegged at eight wins. So again, they're getting actually a little bit of love here this year, which is interesting when you consider the fact that they just traded away outside of Mark Andrews, their best offensive pass catcher in Hollywood Brown. Some of their high draft picks, David Ojabo, who is by every metric has all the makings of someone who's going to be a legitimate NFL contributor someday. But is it going to be this season? I mean, I don't know what to believe anymore considering how quickly Cam Akers came back from his injury last year. Anything's possible, I guess, with if you get enough stem cells or cryo chambers or whatever the hell he was on. So maybe he makes a late season return. I'm not ruling it out of the cards, but one would assume he's kind of a 2023 prospect. A lot of this win total feels like they're just really hoping that those injuries, and there were a boatload of them last year, don't get me wrong, that everyone stays healthy and that these Ravens return to the Lamar Jackson MVP-esque form. Now, does that mean Lamar has to play at an MVP level for them to get to 10 wins? No. The Ravens have the 23rd toughest schedule coming in at a 4.74 opponent win percentage. So again, they're at that back end in terms of who they're playing on paper based on last year. But that AFC North really is a toss-up this year. And we'll obviously run through them more in depth in the moment there. But you look at the over under, even Vegas doesn't know what to make of it. They got the Ravens at nine and a half. They got the Bengals at nine and a half. They got the Browns at nine and a half. And then they got the Steelers who for probably the first time in God knows how long are actually currently projected to finish last in the division at seven and a half. So everyone is clustered right around there. Even in years where the Bengals suck or the Browns suck, they still play Pittsburgh and Baltimore and everyone else in the division super tight. Like this is never a division where you just cakewalk over people unless you got Hugh Jackson on the sidelines over there. But Lamar Jackson, again, since he became a starter midway through 2018, his win percentage is 755. So he's 37 and 12 overall, which ranks second in the NFL behind only Patrick Mahomes. So again, a lot of this is can Lamar stay healthy can the ravens roster stay healthy and can some of those batemans and other wide receivers that are now going to have to shoulder a little bit more of that offensive load are they able to take that next step again i don't love the pick i think they can get to 10 and 7 i'm not sure if that wins the division but i don't see anyone in this division go out and out there and winning you know 14 games or something like that so if they can get to 10 wins they could very well be vying for that afc north title I'm going to go ahead and say the over here for the Ravens, but I'm not thrilled about it. Again, buyer beware. Which brings us to the Cincinnati Bengals fresh off their surprise run to the Super Bowl. Nearly took down the Los Angeles Rams to win it all. Joe Burrow returns this season. Last year exceeded all expectations. But again, they did all of that in spite of the fact that their offensive line was patchwork at best. And I think that's putting it mildly there. 
they address that in a big way this off season. That O-line is going to get is going to have a completely new look heading into 2022. So a lot of that is just going to be now, all right, we've got the pieces in place. We got to get a little bit of cohesion there. So there might be a bit of a growing pains in the beginning. You'd ideally like to iron that out in training camp, but till the bodies are fully flying around at full speed and there's something actually on the line, you never know how a completely overhauled unit like that is going to perform. Do I like them getting to at least 10? Yes. Do I like it so much that I'm going to go out there and slap significant money on it? No, I might sprinkle something on it though, because I think them getting to 10 is definitely realistic this year. Burrow has showed us he's that guy. If everyone stays healthy, all you're asking for them to do is repeat what they did last year, which is get to 10 wins. So this team on paper, I don't think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who will say that on paper they've gotten worse this offseason when their biggest glaring need has clearly been addressed, which was their offensive line. So if you're going to tell me all they have to do is repeat what they did last season and anything else they do beyond that is gravy, all right, let's do it. So I'm going to take the over here. I'll sprinkle a little something on that one. I like them to hit that more than I like Baltimore to hit theirs because I think there's just so many more variables with Baltimore. But Bengals getting to double digits seems doable to me. Cleveland Browns are currently at nine and a half. Now, this, if you are of the mindset that the NFL is going to suspend Deshaun Watson, this is where you go and you throw everything you've got at the under. Because there's whispers out there that Watson could be facing an entire season ban. There's whispers he might not get suspended at all. The discrepancy between the two extremes that quote-unquote industry insiders are currently floating out there is massive. And that's what happens when you're dealing with an entity like the NFL, where you literally never know where they're going to land when it comes to suspending people, right? Find a little THC in their system a few years ago. Okay, you're getting suspended multiple games. Go out there and commit bodily assault on someone off the field. Ah, slap on the wrist and a fine, right? Like you just never know what Goodell and crew are going to be doing. But 23rd lawsuit just got filed against Deshaun Watson. The lawyer who's representing the women who are moving forward with these civil lawsuits against Watson is insinuating that there may even be a 24th or more lawsuits getting lobbied against the Browns quarterback. Reading the tea leaves, I mean, the NFL has taken absolute beating over the years with their mismanagement, especially when it comes to domestic violence, sexual assault, anything to do with players harming women. And rightfully so, they've botched quite a few of these incidents in the past. So for those who think that there's any world where Deshaun Watson just skates by and doesn't get any games, even though the criminal charges have been dismissed, I mean, how can you in good conscience go out there and say, okay, well, yeah, it's not criminal, no harm, no foul. Do I rule it out? I never rule anything out with Roger Goodell, but I have to believe there's some kind of suspension incoming here. And when you're playing in a division that is so tightly contested as the AFC North, like there's no team that you can just pencil in two wins over of, you know, oh, I get to play the Houston Texans. Great. They're a dumpster fire. So I'm going to actually lean on the under here. I'm going to say the Cleveland Browns fall short of that. And obviously I grow more confident with that. The longer the suspension to Deshaun Watson would be, but again, I'm not even fully convinced that he's going to get suspended. But if I'm having to put a bet down today, I'm going to say that he does sit out a portion of the season and the Browns ultimately fall short of 10 wins, which brings us to the Pittsburgh Steelers who for the first time that I can remember are currently predicted to finish last in the division. Crazy to think under the Tomlin era, but everything is going to hinge on who's their quarterback. Is it Kenny Pickett? Is it Trubitsky? And whichever one of them it is, they need to take that job and run with it right away because otherwise they're going to have the other guy breathing down their neck, right? Even if it is Kenny Pickett's team right out of the gates, if he stumbles weeks one, two, three, four, I mean, I'm not a Mitch Trubisky believer by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a proud organization and they're not just going to say, well, he's a rookie QB. Let's take our lumps this year and have a three win year. They'll try and rate the ship. And Tomlin loves his streak of not falling under 500. So we'll, we'll see with this one again, for me, this is a complete stay away because you do have a veteran team. You do have a well-coached team. You have a smart front office. They've potentially removed one of the biggest locker room distractions and Juju. And again, for all intents and purposes here, sounds like Juju is a wonderful human being, but 
has a lot of growing up to do and maturity issues and really did divide that locker room, not in a bad way, but more so in a, here's the veterans who are here to be professional and Steelers way. And there's a certain way to play Pittsburgh Steelers football. And then you had some of the TikTok stars who football is great. They'd love football, but it's a game to them and they want to have fun with it. And those two things clearly could not coexist at the same time in that Steelers locker room. And we saw it boil over a couple of times. So we'll see how that plays out this season. This is a complete stay away for me. I'll probably take the over and just barely. I think they can get to eight wins in the perfect scenario here. I don't feel confident about that at all. I might even change my mind by the end of the episode. But I just, for some reason, have this vision of Tomlin flirting with that 500 number right down to the final weeks of the season and ultimately falling short. They go eight and nine. He has a losing season. But again, things could really get off the rails pretty quickly as well, too, because if they do go and start Trubitsky, he stumbles out of the gate. They start whatever, one and three. Now you throw in Kenny Pickett. Okay, he's got an NFL learning curve to go through as well, too. That's not exactly screaming i'm gonna rattle off five straight wins here so things could go sideways for the steelers in a hurry all in all though i think they barely by the skin of their teeth get to eight wins afc south them and the nfc south are right up there for the divisions that i cared the least about in football this season the houston texans over under four and a half i think they do some nice things this year i think they might have some fantasy relevant players i actually kind of like davis mills and his abnormally long giraffe neck they're over under is four and a half wins. Can I see them get to four wins? Sure, maybe. They got there last year. Do I see them rattling off five or six wins? No. So I'll take the under here. And it doesn't help the fact that they also have to play the AFC West. So that'll pencil in a, hopefully a few losses right there. They're kind of middle of the pack as well, too, with last year's win percentage at 488 of everyone in the division. They actually have the toughest schedule this year by virtue of not being able to play themselves twice. So I'm going to take the under here. Don't really need to spend too much more time on the Houston Texans. Indianapolis Colts at nine and a half, I think could be the easiest pick in this division, taking the over. You look at what the Tennessee Titans have gone out there and done and losing AJ Brown. Yes, they lost Julio Jones as well too. Some will argue that's not really a huge thing, but it is targets. It is someone who, even though he was the walking dead last year, defense is still planned around because there's always that what if, you know, what if it is a vintage Julio game this game? This year, I mean, they got Burks at the draft, which is great. And they're going to need him to go out there and have a Jamar Chase-esque or a Justin Jefferson-esque rookie season if they're going to have any hopes of winning the division again this year. They've got a little bit of internal QB drama now. I mean, it's Tannehill's team this year, but he is not exactly thrilled with the fact that they went out and drafted his heir apparent. So I think the Colts, it's their division to lose. They get to play the Texans twice. They get to play the Jaguars. And I think they're going to be coming in at least pissed off about how last season ended. I tried to tell everyone Carson Wentz in a must-win game. Not, not exactly recipe for success. Colts fans didn't want to hear it. Don't want to say I told you so, but check the tapes. I think the Colts win the division this year. And if they're going to win the division this year, they get to at least 10 wins. So I'm going to hammer the over there and actually put a little bit of action on that one as well, too. Jacksonville Jaguars, over-unders at six and a half. I mean, talk about a culture change. You go from, I don't know if you've seen the videos yet or not, but Doug Peterson likes to end all of his meetings with, and by the way, we've got ice cream, and he actually has ice cream. He's like one step away from being sponsored by haagen if he's not already. You have that in place now, a player's coach instead of the absolute gong show that was the urban meyer experience i mean that in and of itself is worth a couple of wins right there trevor lawrence billed as a generational talent didn't have the greatest rookie campaign but i like the pieces that they added around him i like the fact that they went out there and they did address a little bit of some pass rush issues on defense did they spend money in some questionable ways absolutely but overall you look at this roster they're an improved unit. I have to believe that Trevor Lawrence takes a step forward this season. And even if it's not a quantum leap like Josh Allen did when he went from raw prospect to pro bowler seemingly overnight, 
I have to believe that they're going to be an improved unit this season. And this is the perfect case of where you think Vegas, this is why they get paid big bucks to set these lines because six is right where I think that sort of win total is going to be. But I like this team enough to think that they can get to seven. I don't think they're going to go out there and win the division. I'm not expecting miracles here. Can they get to seven and 10? I think they can. I'm going to take the over here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Tennessee Titans. Over under nine and a half. Tennessee has won nine or more games in every single one of Mike Vrabel's seasons as head coach. But you look at their schedule, they're playing the AFC West this year. They have to travel to Buffalo to play the Bills. On paper, they got worse. Some people are saying, ah, yeah, we still think that they can get to 10. I don't think that they can. I think nine and eight is really as good as I can see this team getting. I wouldn't be surprised if they were a sub 500 team this year because Derrick Henry... They rode him finally into the ground that he finally broke last year. And now you take away some of the downfield threats. What do you think teams are going to do? They're just going to load the box on him, make life miserable for Tannehill and any kind of semblance of screen game, run game, anything like that. They just don't have the weapons to be able to stretch the field to make defenses play them up straight up and honest. So Some people think, yeah, 10 wins, let's pencil them in. They'll they'll compete with the Colts again this year. I don't see it. I'm actually taking the under on the Titans in the AFC South. Which brings us to the buzzsaw that is the AFC West. You could tell me any one of these four teams wins the AFC West this year, and I wouldn't be surprised. You could tell me any one of these four teams comes in last in the AFC West this year. Again, wouldn't be surprised. And Vegas reflects that in the win totals. They're very similar to the AFC North in the sense that everyone is clustered right up there together. Broncos, 10. Chiefs, 10 and a half. Raiders, 8 and a half. Chargers, 10. Very rarely do sports books like having that push option, but in cases like this where a lot of things could go sideways, they actually do have the Chargers and the Broncos as some of those swing teams where they're not given that 0.5 worth a guaranteed payout one way or another. So how do you even begin to tackle this division? Well, you have to look at who do you think is going to come in last realistically and looking from top to bottom, both sides of the football. I think the Raiders put in a different division. Hell, they might even win that division, but being in this division against these other three rosters, I think that they've got to come in as the favorites to finish in last in the AFC West. So they're over under at eight and a half. So to go with the over, they have to have a nine and eight record. Do we think that if they're going to come in last place in this division, that every single team in this division is going to have a winning record? Highly unlikely. So I'm going to take the under on them, even though they just came off a playoff season. They won 10 games last year. They got Josh McDaniels as head coach. They went out and got Devontae Adams. Like on paper, they are an improved team this year. The problem is every other team in this division got better as well too. So sorry, Raiders. Someone's got to come in last in the division. In this case, it's you. I don't see you having a winning record just by virtue of the schedule that you need to play. So under on the Raiders. Next, it really is a toss-up. And I've heard cases made for both of these teams and probably is why both the Broncos and the Chargers are at 10 wins here. It's who do you like more? And to me, I have to think that the Broncos get the slight, slight edge here, at least based on the moves they made this offseason. Again, the Chargers were a good team last year. They barely missed out on the playoffs, but their additions were mostly reinforcing things that were already there. It was adding depth pieces. They added a phenomenal corner in Jackson. But even looking at their draft, again, there wasn't that plug and play. All right, here's here's a clear upgrade over what we were bringing last season and this middle of the pack area, whether it was their secondary, where it was their wide receiver group, whatever it was, is now suddenly a completely revamped unit like the Denver Broncos did by bringing in Russell Wilson, a pro bowler, arguably the best quarterback that they've had since the first couple of seasons that Peyton Manning was out there before his production fell off a cliff and the defense dragged him to his final Super Bowl. I'm going to say the Broncos hit 11 wins. And if they're going to hit 11 wins and make that over, I'm going to have to say that the Chargers either end up with that 10 and it's a push. And so why would you, if you think that they're going to push, bother putting money on it or fall under? right? Again, they could flirt with it, could be a nine and eight, could be a 10 and a 
push right there. So I'm going to take the under on the Chargers. I'm going to take the over on the Broncos, which brings us to the Chiefs, who (laughs) their entire season really can kind of be boiled down to the first six games that they play. Two divisional games, and they've got the Bills and the Bucks. So they've got to run the gauntlet weeks one through six. And they could go anywhere from two and four to five and one. And who knows, you know, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, we lost him, but Juju's now a seamless fit. And we unlocked Valdez Scantling's full potential. And it's going to be a new look offense for sure. But they filled some holes on defense. They seem to have hit some hidden gems in the draft as well, too, especially at wide receiver with Ross. But you look at how they start. Cardinals, Chargers, Colts, Bucks. Raiders, Bills, Niners. So that's a tough schedule to start the season out with. But that being said, we've seen with Andy Reid before, they had a horrible start to last year and they still ended up making the playoffs, becoming the Chiefs that everyone came to sort of know and love and expect. They do have the sixth toughest schedule in all of football with a 533 opponent win percentage. And that's without factoring in how improved this entire division is. But the Chiefs have won at least 12 games every one of the last four seasons. They only need to get to 11 here. I think they limp across the finish line. I think they get it. I'm going to say Chiefs over. I think they get to 11 wins. Flipping over to the NFC, let's start with the NFC East here. Dallas Cowboys over under 10 and a half. And for those who have been listening for a while, you know there's nothing more I love than to fade the Cowboys, than to bathe in Dallas Cowboys fans' misery. But even as an objective gambler, who I like to gamble with my head, not so much with my heart, which is usually why I stay away from any kind of Boston Red Sox or Philadelphia Eagles related sports bets. But you look at this Cowboys team, 10 and a half. So you need to get to 11 wins. They made no big free agent splashes. They lost Cooper. They lost Gregory. They lost Williams. They lost Lael Collins. Their draft, some of the gurus who do this for a living, gave them failing grades, D's, C's. No one has been raving about what they did at the NFL draft. They're tied with Washington for the easiest strength of schedule, which is the only saving factor here. But a lot of that is, again, because they get to play the NFC East. But the whole NFC East is much improved this year as well, too, save for perhaps Washington and the Dallas Cowboys. New York got better. Philadelphia got better. And if you think the Dallas Cowboys only got one game worse, I've got some magic beans to sell you here. I'm hitting the under, and I think this is probably my lock of this entire episode here. If you're telling me the Cowboys just need to go 10-7 and seven or worse and I win on this bet, thank you very much. I think 10-7 and seven is them kicking the doors off this season and everything going right. I can see this season really going sideways in a big way for Dallas. The players I just mentioned... These are not insignificant players that they lost. These are not role players. These are players that the team has been leaning on for years now. These are pro bowlers. These are some of the best at their position, and they're now gone, and they haven't replaced them with anyone. So C.D. Lamb better have a 1,700-yard receiving season if the Dallas Cowboys are going to go out there and win 11 games. Under, and it's an easy one for me here. New York Giants coming in at seven. I hate the push ability here. Seven wins seems like a lot when you consider the fact they won four last year and Daniel Jones is your quarterback. They've certainly rebuilt that line. They've certainly tried to put him into a position to succeed. Does that mean he's going to succeed? Eh, I don't know. They're better this year. Don't get me wrong. I think the New York Giants are better than a four and 13 team. Do I think they're three wins better for a tie? Maybe best case scenario there. But again, you're not even winning anything on that. It's a push. Do I think they're four wins better? Do I think that this is a 500-esque team? Eight and nine, possibly nine and eight. Like that's their absolute ceiling. They need Daniel Jones to not only have a career year, but to be a above average quarterback in the NFL like a top 15, maybe even top 12 quarterback if they want to improve that much in one season. Maybe Saquon can get back to 80-90% of what he was once and if he stays healthy, but these are you're, you're adding up a lot of ifs here. If seems to be the theme of these Giants 
I'm taking the under on them. I don't think they're as bad as a three or a four win team, but to have them need to get to eight wins for me to see any kind of return on my investment, I don't like that. I'm taking the under. Philadelphia Eagles coming in at eight and a half. Last season, they won nine games. So how Vegas is kind of fading them here, not really sure, but they were even at seven and a half at some of the sports books. Pre-draft, they've gone up a full win. Some of the sports books I've looked at, I've even seen nine. So there's that push ability, but if you can, there are a few that you can go out there and find. As of this taping right now, DraftKings had them at eight and a half. So there are a few out there that you can still find at that eight and a half. If you can find eight and a half, this team is easily as good as last team's roster was and arguably significantly better as well too, especially if N'Kobe Dean doesn't end up missing time. Like the fact that he fell as far as he did in his draft is absolutely flabbergasting over medical concerns that aren't even entirely based on fact. It's a lot of speculation going on right now. Difference of opinions. Will he need surgery? Will he just be able to rehab? Will he not even miss any time whatsoever? But you look at who they brought in in the draft. They add A.J. Brown. I'm on the team believe in Jalen Hurts camp here. I don't know why he gets as much hate as he does. If Jalen Hurts were cut tomorrow, you would have everyone except for maybe eight teams in the entire NFL who are set at quarterback like the Buffalo Bills, like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos. You would have every other team in the league lining up for his services. I'm not saying he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, but I'm saying there's a lot of teams who would be more than happy to have him on their roster. So I'm team Hertz here. If all they need to do is replicate last season for me to hit on this bet at eight and a half done, but I'm even confident that they can easily hit double digits this season. A 10 and seven season is not out of the question whatsoever. So fact, I only have to get to nine. I'm getting some juice there. I love it. Take the over Washington commanders buckle up like, over under seven and a half wins last season they won seven games i don't think they've upgraded that much really at any of their positions of need if you think carson wentz is going to come in and take them to a 10 win season all of a sudden overnight don't know what film you've been watching since he's come into the league this has all the hallmarks of just an absolute disaster all the rumblings about snyder and all of his off-field misgivings Wentz is coming in here after only lasting a season in Indy, after getting ridden out of town in Philadelphia. Now he has to play Philadelphia twice a year. I love the fact that Carson Wentz is in our division and we get to play him multiple times every season. Hopefully they sign him to a 10-year contract. They've got the easiest schedule. So again, the love has to just be based on who they get to play against. But this is not an all-world roster here. I think they get to seven if things go well for them this year. But I somehow I've got this gut feeling that this is finally the year that Snyder gets his comeuppance and some of those off field rumors that I've been making the rounds of the blogosphere and newspapers and all of that for years now finally rear their ugly head. That has a trickle down effect. It derails their whole season. We look at maybe some new ownership, all of that. I don't know, but nothing about this season has me excited if I would be a Washington Commanders fan. So I'm taking the under here as well, too. So I'm taking the under on everyone in the division except for the Philadelphia Eagles. Call me a homer. I don't care. I would love to hear a counter argument the other way, but I don't really see too many scenarios in which someone else in that division has a runaway freight train of success. NFC North. What a weird year this is for the nfc north it feels like all right it's still the packers division to lose but who the hell is aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to Devonte adams out of town are they gonna go out there with multiple back sets and get really frisky with the playbook here and have dylan and jones on the field how quickly is watson gonna be able to get acclimated to that offensive system rogers has never been one to really trust young players all that much until he's built up a few years of rapport with them but a lot of things could happen in this division this year we start with the chicago bears they're not going to be fighting for a playoff spot if they are that's the shock of the season they also have a super late bye this year they've got to go 13 straight games justin fields you got to feel for the poor kid here because the bears did nothing to go out and help him this off season. They're over under six and a half. I'm hitting the under here. I think in a dream scenario, they go six and 11. I can easily see them being a four win team this year. I can see Chicago becoming the New York Giants of last year. I think Justin Fields is going to be running for his life. I hope to God he doesn't get injured. 
but he was already one of the most highly pressured and highly sacked quarterbacks in the league last year. And you could argue that their offensive line and offense in general has actually gotten worse this season. So seeing them get to seven wins, that's a tall task in my mind. The Detroit Lions sitting at six. Last season, they won three. They could have easily won more, but had a few games that just got away from them. But Lions went out there and did a lot of nice things this offseason. Their offense now looking somewhat competent. Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, Hawkinson. They went out and added DJ Chark and then drafted Jamison Williams. They added some pieces to the defense. They're a better team this year for sure. Are they four wins better, which is really what you're asking of them? So they can't just be three wins better. Are they four wins better? Ugh, this is a 100% stay away for me because I think that they come right in at six. Maybe they get to seven. I'm not confident enough in it to go and put my own money on it to see them go and get seven wins. Would it shock me if they got to seven? No, but I'm not confident in it. Again, if I have to go and make a decision here though, I would probably take the over because relying on Jared Goff is never a smart investment, but maybe they go out there and they steal a couple of wins from the Chicago Bears this season. Maybe they go out there and surprise a few other teams. Like there's a roadmap for them to get to seven. So I can talk myself into getting there. But like I said, this is probably a stay away the Vegas people kind of have this right in that sweet spot, six. So I'll take the over, but very reluctantly. Green Bay, as we already mentioned, they're kind of the wild card this year. They're probably still going to win the division. It's them or the Vikings. But are they a 14-win dominating force this year? Absolutely not. Their over-under is currently between 11 and 11 and a half, depending on what sports book you're looking at. They won 13 games last year. Any way you slice it, they are a worse team this year. Aaron Rodgers is another year older. He lost his favorite weapon. He lost one of the best wide receivers in the game. But there's also a strange stat floating out there that in the past three years in games that they were still missing Devontae Adams, they went 7-0. and So it's tough. It's going to be a huge loss, but it's something that they can overcome. And I think it's just by virtue of them being in the NFC North that they probably do get to 12 wins. But I wouldn't take the over if you're getting the 11 and a half odds. If you can get that cushion with the 11 odd sports books out there, I would take that. And then 11 or 12, I'm kind of comfortable with that where I don't really see them being a 10 and 7 or 9 and 8 team this year. I don't think they're going to fall off quite that much. But having that extra win cushion of, okay, they only won 11, I get my money back here. I would probably take the over in that scenario. The Minnesota Vikings are coming in at eight and a half right now. Last season, they won eight games total. The Bears are a train wreck. The Lions, even in a disaster scenario, should be one and one. But realistically, if this team actually wants to make the playoffs, they need to go two and zero against them. There's four wins right there. The NFC in general is weaker top to bottom with how the quarterbacks have all moved around. The Vikings opponent win percentage, wrong side of 500, right? So it's 4-8-4. And you got, you're telling me all they have to do is win one more game than they did last season. I think this one's a pretty easy over. I feel the most confident about this one out of anyone in the NFC North. I would take the over every day of the week. I wouldn't be surprised if they got to 10 wins. I think them and Green Bay, it's going to be a much closer competition throughout the year this season than people think. I think Green Bay probably ultimately pulls away in the end, but I think it's going to come down to the wire. And who knows? The Vikings, if you told me that they end up winning the NFC North this year with Green Bay nipping at their heels because whatever, they ended up winning a week 17 game or something, you can talk me into that. It's a talented roster. It's got a new head coach. Someone who's not going to literally coach games away, which is what happened to the Vikings last year. They could have easily been a double-digit win team, if not for some of the questionable late-game decisions that were made by Zimmer and co. So I'm hammering the over here, and I think it's a fairly easy one. Sprinkle a little bit of my own Do-Re-Mi on it as well, too. NFC South. Oh, boy. We said it with the AFC South. Something about the Southern divisions this year isn't, exactly screaming an exciting brand of football this could have been an absolute sticks and stones fight between some dumpster fires had tom brady not come back but now it's obviously the tampa bay buccaneers that win this division this year and everyone else is fighting for second place the atlanta falcons might surprise a little bit but they're over under right now at five and a half this isn't a six win team they're gonna be in the running for the first overall pick this year 
I think Atlanta's picking in the top three next NFL draft. They've got two weapons on offense and thank God they went out there and got Drake London because if not, it would have been Kyle Pitts against the world. And they've got a surprisingly tough opponent schedule here with the ninth toughest schedule in the entire league with opponents coming in at a 5-2-4 win percentage. I think this team would be very lucky to win even five games. So give me that extra 0.5. I'm hammering the under here and feeling pretty good about it. Carolina Panthers over under right now is at five and a half. I think they get that. Carolina hasn't had a winning season since 2017, but who their quarterback is week one versus the last week of the season could be two very different people. There are no sure things under center in Carolina right now. That being said, by virtue of playing in the NFC South, I think that they can get to six wins. Asking them to go six and 11 isn't out of the world here. They've got some nice pieces. If Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy this year, he can win two games himself. Moore is an absolute beast. I think they did some good things shoring up the offensive line a little bit, added some nice pieces on defense. And you're telling me all they have to do is win one more game than last year? Okay, I can get talked into it. I'll take the over here. I'm not feeling great about it, but I don't think this is a worse team than it was last year. So they might be better, but it's only marginally better, but marginally better could be good enough for one extra win this year. I'm going to take the over on the Carolina Panthers at five and a half. The New Orleans Saints coming in at seven and a half. Odds makers are skeptical of them. I'm skeptical of them. What do they look like in the post Sean Payton era? Is Winston going to be able to stay healthy? What does Michael Thomas look like if he touches the field again? Chris Olave is coming in to revive that offense a little bit. They went nine and eight last year and they set an NFL record with 58 different starters used. So they were not only injury bitten, but they were a revolving door at multiple positions. Losing Teron Armstead is going to be huge for them, but look around to that division. Atlanta, that should be two wins right there. Carolina, maybe you go one and one with them. So you're already at three wins for the rest of the entire season. You just got to get me five more wins. It's asking a lot considering they've got the eighth toughest schedule this year, but I think if they can stay healthy, they're at least an eight and nine team, which gets you to the over. So I'm going to take the over here with the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay is going to win this division. I don't think it's particularly close. They went 13 and four last year. They're over under this year is 11 and a half, but last year they had a cupcake schedule. This season, they've got the fourth toughest schedule in the league with a 535 opponent win percentage. Again, by virtue of playing in the NFC South, you can chalk up some pretty easy wins right there. Tom Brady, can he get to 12 wins? I think he's got one more kick at the can here down in Tampa Bay. And then whether it is a true retirement this time, or he's a free agent at season's end, and maybe he's playing for that San Francisco job or that Miami job, some of those destination places we heard rumors about in the off season. I think they can get to 12. I'm taking the over here by virtue of that NFC South and how much weaker the NFC in general has gotten this season. So Hit the over there as well, too. Arizona Cardinals coming in at nine and a half wins. That's a tall ask. No DeAndre Hopkins to start this season. The NFC West has gotten weaker this year. Obviously, when Russell Wilson leaves the division, your division got a little bit easier. Seattle could be a train wreck this season. But needing them to get to 10 wins for a franchise that consistently has late season collapses and isn't going to be without their number one wide receiver in the early part of the season didn't have a particularly great draft kind of drafted positions where they were already set up are we sure that they can get to double digits <sighs> i don't know this is a stay away from me but if forced to make a decision i would probably take the under i wouldn't feel great about it though which brings us to the rams as we just mentioned nfc west has gotten a little bit easier this year they're coming in at 10 and a half wins right now i think they're probably the cream of this division because it certainly isn't the Cardinals for all the reasons we just mentioned. The Seahawks will come in last in this division this year. Otherwise, I will be shocked. And the Niners, from all the signs, seems like Trey Lance, unproven rookie quarterback, is going to be under center. So I'm going to take the over here. They've got the toughest schedule in 2022 based on opponent win percentage last season but they had the second toughest schedule last year and they still put up 12 wins. Yes, they lost Von Miller. Yes, no one knows what's happening with OBJ. 
They lost Robert Woods, but they added some nice pieces as well too. Pieces that I think are going to be complementary to the culture that they're building out there that can step in and become seamless parts of that offense. And Sean McVay will have them ready to go. I think they can get to 11 wins. I'll take the over and I feel pretty confident about that. The Niners are currently set at 10 wins, which is an ugly number. Hate the pushability of it. It's also right exactly where I kind of think that they're going to fall. I think things need to go very, very well for them if they're going to get to 11, 12, or 13 wins. We've seen rookie QBs come in who have been on clipboard duty for a full season and excel. We've also seen rookie QBs come in who've been on clipboard duty for a season and reveal why they were on clipboard duty rather than day one starters after being taken as high as they were in the NFL draft. Trey Lance really is an unknown at this point. And who knows, we could even see Jimmy Garoppolo get traded between now and the start of the season if there's an injury in training camp. And then they really don't have a plan B. You know they're going to cycle through about 500 different running backs. And by the end of the season, the fantasy football running back that you drafted won't even be on their roster anymore or something. Like it's just a absolute running back factory out in the bay area 10 is a tough number it's also exactly where i think that they're gonna fall this is a stay away for me because as i said i think 10 is precisely where they end up this season so do you like going for pushes no no one likes the kiss your sister bowl so it's a stay away from me but i would slightly lean towards them hitting the over if for no other reason than the fact that seattle got worse the nfc got worse They won 10 wins last year and went on a huge deep postseason run, and they didn't have a whole lot of roster turnover. So can they get to 11? Yes. Do I think they end up pushing at 10? Also, yes. But I'll slightly favor the over here for San Fran. Which brings us to our final team on the NFL schedule for 2022, the aforementioned Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is coming in at six. I'm taking the under every day of the week here. I think Seattle has a top five NFL draft pick at next year's draft. We don't even know who their starting quarterback is going to be, but whether you choose Geno Smith, whether you choose Drew Locke, whether you choose some other option entirely, none of those are overly appealing to me. Asking this team as it's currently constructed to get to seven wins? No, thank you. If this team gets to five wins, they should be doing backflips based on the roster they've got out there. I don't even think that both of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett will still be on this team post-trade deadline anyways. I think they're going to get at a certain point in the season, and you're going to see the Seattle Seahawks realize, okay, we tried to polish a turd here and say, no, we can still compete. Even though we lost Russ, we've got enough on this roster that we can. I I think the wheels are going to fall off early. I think they're going to fall off spectacularly, and thinking that this team can go and win seven games i think this is the lock of the division here you take the under and if they hit six you get your money back so there you have it every single nfl team from top to bottom you heard a lot of my voice this episode we're gonna get back to our interviews next week we've got some great guests coming on let us know what you think too all of our social media channels our handles are all the same it's all at dine sports d-y-n-e-s sports with an s at the end of it check out our content going up daily at dinespressbox.com got a tremendous team over there creating a wide array of amazing pieces all the time haven't already check out our youtube page their new feature future watch where we are counting down some of the nhl drafts top prospects as we approach the 2022 nhl entry draft the future watch crew is releasing new videos every single week in-depth pieces on some of the names that you might hear called early and often on draft day for your favorite teams till next time folks have a good one we'll see you next week stay safe we'll see you again soon